Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Into the Denver Stiff Show. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday night currently. It will be Thursday morning when you probably listen to this podcast. We are live at the Pepsi Center here. This podcast won't be live, so can't really say that, but that's okay. No, you can say whatever you want. It's your podcast. You can <laughs> it's say a podcast. We don't care. This will be this will be repurposed at a later date. That's fine. Uh, you've heard the dulcet tones right there of Brandon Ewing sitting right next to me, uh, senior writer for Denver Stiffs. Brandon, how are you doing? I am good. Uh, there's a lot to talk about tonight. I uh, See, I usually, for anybody who doesn't know, I usually sit in the press box for the games, but then Mr. Blackburn invited me to come sit down in the lower level tonight, and I tell you what, there was stuff happening every single quarter ever <laughs> since I went down there. Just chaos ensued. So we got a, t- a ton of topics to talk about and discuss on tonight's Denver Stiff Show. So yeah, lock man. in. Lock it's going to be in. great. And and we had it, we had a couple of people that were that were out of the the normal seating arrangements. So got to get branded down to the to the lower section. And boy, did he experience a show! It was oh. quite an experience tonight. First, let's uh. Let's start where to, with, be, where with, to begin. Yeah, let's start with the <laughs> starters who are out tonight. Uh, Gary Harris was out. Paul Millsap was out. In their place started Murray, Barton, Torrey Craig, Jeremy Grant, Nicole Jokic. We've, we've become accustomed to Jeremy Grant filling in for Paul Millsap when he's been out. Uh, Torrey Craig was kind of a surprise, I thought. I, I Part of me wanted to see my, what Michael Porter Jr. could do in that starting lineup against a team like the Charlotte Hornets, but it wasn't to be, and Torrey Craig came in there. It was a pretty slow start. Uh, he, did, he did start really slow, but his uh, his defense got a lot better as the game went on. He actually did a pretty good job on Devontae Graham for a few possessions. Devontae Graham's been really good this year. He's kind of been a breakout player. So Yeah, Devontae Graham, let's check the plus-minus there. Minus 28 when he was on the floor. He that is the lowest the Hornets had by 11. By a significant margin, so... <laughs> Uh, credit to credit to Tory Craig for doing his job, but there were a lot of other guys that that stepped up in this game, especially when Jamal Murray goes down with the ankle turn. I think that was at the end of the second quarter. Am I right? Yeah, it was at the end of the second quarter. If my memory serves me correctly, I think there was about three three minutes or so left. So it was, it was towards the end. And I mean, yeah, Jamal only played fourteen minutes tonight, so that'd probably be about right. Yeah, and it was bad. It was it wasn't a good look. But let's we'll talk about that in the in the next segment. Still want to kind of focus in more a bit on this game because there are a lot of exciting things to talk about tonight. I would say the the biggest thing is the bench play. The bench play was the story tonight, and kicking that off was Michael Porter Jr. He was unguardable. 
for the entire second quarter. He had a stretch of minutes where it was just unbelievable watching him go at everybody else, watching him score. He was taking the ball off the drive. He was catching and shooting. He had a number of possessions where he just caught the ball, raised up, and fired. He hit two threes tonight, which is really nice to see. Took five threes, which I I really am happy seeing with him. Shot chart obviously looks really good with him. Most of his shots in the paint or behind the three-point line. Skip, you had a new vantage point tonight. What did you see from Michael Porter Jr. when he came into the game? Well, my favorite one of those five threes was his heat check three, where he scored about seven straight points. Then we had a little heat check action. And he yeah, just it was dra- great. He just drained it. <laughs> so, how, how exciting is that? How exciting is it to be able to come to Pepsi Center? And it, it's you never really know what's going to happen, but it can be on a night like this where he just explodes and he was. 17-point explosion in the first half. Yeah, no, it, it's really exciting every time he comes in the game, and it, it's really tough to describe, and I'm sure people, even when they're watching on TV or even listening to the radio, can can get this. But literally every time he has the ball in his hands, there's this little – there's this aura in the crowd of, like, people are just waiting to see what he's going to do. And tonight he had a lot of those wow moments, especially he had that one where he just drove past um, – gosh, who was it? He drove past Cody Zeller, and he was just backing him down in the lane, and he did this crazy thing with his body and just made the layup with ease so it's just stuff like that that makes the crowd like the the crowd roar when Michael Porter Jr. even makes like a free throw (laughs) is insane and rightfully so I mean the stuff he does is incredible and you talked about the bench points I mean the Nuggets bench tonight scored 52 and adding it up it's really easy to add up the Hornets bench because they scored 4, 2, 6, 11 they scored 13 so 52 to 13 on the bench that's points, a, that's a massive difference. And that's what you need when, when you're starting Torrey Craig, when Jamal Murray goes down, you need the bench to step up in those situations. And even Jokic, I thought he had kind of a, a so-so game for Jokic. He didn't really have to exert his will, especially late in that game because the, the Nuggets were up as much as they were. But it was a great position to be in. And having a guy like Michael Porter Jr. be able to carry the load offensively four stretches at a time and just do crazy things you're right the heat check three very impressive he had another possession where he took the ball coast to coast off of an inbounds and well he had a couple of those coast to coast it's just like the the hornets had or any team it could have been any team trying to stop him they literally would have had no way of stopping him that length is just impossible i mean it looked like he went from one basket to the other basket and it took him about three strides that's how easy he got down there. I mean, he's just he's just lanky. He's smooth with it still, though, and he finishes, which is the most important part of it. This was probably the not the first game, I would say. He's had a number of these games. But this was the first game where you could really start to see how the bench kind of operates around Michael Porter Jr. when he's trying to score, when he's being featured. 13 shots tonight. Mason Plumley had eight. Monte Morris only had four, and he played a number of minutes. Uh, the shooting distribution, I think, is a really big indicator. He led the team in shot attempts tonight. I didn't realize that. The Heat at 13, next highest was Will Barton at 11. That's a pretty big deal. And when you, when you talk about who can step up in the wake of a Jamal Murray injury, who can step up when the Nuggets need a boost, uh, you, you don't have to really look that far because of how incendiary that can be, how easy he can get some of those baskets. Now, granted, there were some mistakes tonight. There were some ill-advised shots, to be sure. But when when the costs 
aren't nearly as high as the benefits are for him, you, you start to see this, this starter-level player, this star-level player emerge. And everybody in the locker room talks about it. Michael Malone talks about it. The, the star power on this kid is unbelievable. And I think that that's, it's a great thing for Denver's future. Really exciting. Thing, people want to see it immediately, but it's, it's a process. And it was a good part of the process tonight. Yeah, no, it is a process. And, and it always the questions are always about his defense, which I get because the offense is so good. But his defense tonight was actually really good, I thought. I thought that he was really active. I mean, he still had two steals and a block shot. Those aren't stats to be overlooked because he was getting his hands in the passing lanes. He was making plays when he had the ball on the defensive end. And he was making stuff happen. And he contested a number of shots at the rim. And I remember looking at Ryan and I'm like, yep, lockdown defender, telling you. Because <laughs> he was just affecting shots. And it's just – it's not so much just being great at defense, it's just playing with really high energy on that end of the floor, and I think that's what he was doing tonight. He's been doing that a lot more lately as his confidence continues to grow and grow. So good stuff on Michael Porter Jr. Let's move on, though, because I think another big story of this game was one of the point guards that came in for Jamal Murray when he went down, and that was P.J. Dozier. P.J. Dozier making his debut, his season debut for the Nuggets, and what does he do? He doesn't. He doesn't take the debut for granted. He doesn't... Uh, his opportunity. Man, that dude hit tonight. He had 12 points on 5 of 7 shooting, hit 2 of his 4 threes, 4 assists. That's, I mean, oh no, 2 assists, excuse me, 4 personal fouls. But in terms of backup point guard production, that is great for an entire game. And he did it in basically one stint tonight. It was very impressive watching him play. Uh, what did you see from P.J. Dozier that impressed you? The thing that impressed me most is this is only his ninth NBA game. His ninth NBA game he's ever appeared in. His first with the Nuggets, and you couldn't even tell by watching him. The confidence and poise he played with was just impeccable. Like, he was running the Nuggets. Um, Michael Malone talked after the game that they definitely simplified the playbook for him. But at the same time, he's still just playing basketball. And Michael Malone mentioned also how he's great in the pick and roll, and I think you saw that tonight. He, he has great chemistry with everyone on the floor, and it was literally the first time he's ever played with them in a game that's not a preseason. You know, you know what I think that really leads? itself to is they can trust him to make the right decision and get to his spots on the floor and so when he when he's in those positions to play he can use his body really well draws the defense in a certain way and if he's open then he has the capability to score it when he's not open he has the height and the size and the ability to make those passes to the guys that that eventually end up open and so I'm really impressed with what I see and and it was it was and We'll again talk about this in the next segment regarding Jamal, but it was a really, really dark time, I think, before watching what PJ could do, and he may not play every game. He may only be kind of a a spot guy for while Jamal Murray is out, but hey, if he can give those kinds of spot minutes, then he's going to find himself in the regular rotation. Yeah, and I think it's also nice. It's really hard to keep track of this two-way contract 45-day thing. But Dozier spent a lot of his time so far this season in the G League. So he's got a lot of these days piled up. So you might as well just use them in spurts. It's like when you pile up all these coupons and then you just use them all at once. We've piled up all these days for him. And he may be here for the next month, depending on how Jamal Murray responds with his ankle injury. And Mm -hmm. that's going to be be a really interesting storyline going forward. Uh, I actually like his fit and his chemistry on the bench unit. 
I didn't know if I would like it. I didn't know whether he would have the ability to use his vision and use his size, but it was very clear watching him down in the G League that he just has a lot of great physical gifts and his his skill level was where things were, were lacking. And maybe not necessarily his basketball IQ, but it was a, like the athleticism and the physical gifts didn't really match the the basketball IQ that he, that he was able to possess mm-hmm. while in college, while in other stops around the NBA. But very impressed with what he has done so far. Do you think that he'll be playing tomorrow night, playing in the regular rotation while Jamal Murray's out? Um, I think it's definitely trending that way. And like you said, this is his third professional season now, and I think he's really trending up. He's really getting up. He's getting more comfortable. And in the G League, he's over. He's averaging over 20 points a game. He's averaging over seven rebounds and assists. So he's been balling out in the G League, and when that happens, it gives you so much confidence, and that's what he played with tonight. So I think that tomorrow it would be – probably 100% certain that Jamal Murray does not play. So. Yeah, it's, it's it it didn't really look good on the floor, and they, they literally carried him off the floor. So I can't imagine that he plays tomorrow. Yeah, so I think that, that Dozier earned minutes tomorrow at the least, and I think that he's a guy we saw tonight that's going to take advantage of that opportunity against a Golden State team that will give him those opportunities to take advantage. So I think that he's definitely in the rotation in the short term. And uh, it, it just depends on how long Murray is out, but the Nuggets don't really have another pseudo point guard they could use off the bench other than Dozier. And he proved tonight in only 13 minutes that he he can do the job, so might as well roll with him and give him a shot. couple other tidbits from tonight. Mason Plumley had a really good game off the bench as well, partially due to what Dozier was able to do, but also Michael Porter Jr. hit him on a nice pass. I was going to talk about that. Michael Porter Jr. and Mason Plumley have that, have that combo that's like – you don't think it would really work, but then when they're out there, it's just dynamic. Like, Porter put that shot up tonight where it looked like he was shooting. Two guys came at him, but he, he knew exactly what he was doing. Hits Mason Plumley for the easy dunk. Those guys just have a connection that's worked really well. And I didn't even notice until I looked at the stat line how many points Plumley had. But he had a fantastic game. He, he really took advantage. I mean, he was 3-for-8 from the free throw line. Yeah, that's the, that's the only You'll thing you'd it. like to you'd like to see bumped up there. But otherwise... But still five boards and still two assists. I mean... Yeah, in only 16 minutes. Like, he has been extremely productive in his minutes so far this year. Had a, a pretty good rebounding season, a pretty good scoring season in, like, per 36. Uh, still passing the ball like crazy. Uh, Monte Morris has really helped garner that chemistry with him as well. He had five assists tonight, but I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this works. And if the Nuggets are without a lot of guys, then they, it seems like they have the confidence and they have the talent back there to really make up the difference. And and that's you, – you'll love to see it. And Well, they just have a bunch of different ways that they could go about it. I mean – we were talking earlier about all the different number of lineup combinations they could use with point guard. I mean, because you can throw Monte in the starting lineup. You could still keep Monte off the bench and have Will Barton run the point in the starting lineup and put somebody else in there like a Torrey Craig in the starting lineup. So there's a number of different ways they can go. So I think that Michael Malone and the Nuggets are just going to have to experiment, and hopefully the experiments go a lot better than worse, and then they can really figure out those lineups and that cohesion that works for the first and second unit. Will Barton also hit three three three-pointers tonight. That was good to see. He's been in a little slump lately. Nikola Jokic went 12 points, eight rebounds, eight assists tonight. He did have four turnovers, and I thought a couple of them were a little bit egregious, a little bit questionable. Uh, One of those was a phantom 
offensive foul that that Cody Zeller threw back his head when it wasn't even contacted. Uh, the other was a a what should have been a kicked ball that wasn't actually oh, kick, that wasn't actually called. Crazy. The Hornets, very high. The Hornets were playing soccer for like three straight possessions, <laughs> and there was no kick balls. No, called. it was very weird, very very odd, and. I think that was the third quarter, right? That it was, was one the of the third reason. quarter. That was also the same quarter where Yoke, we had to do the annual every Nuggets game. Jokic has his arms bleeding, and we have to get him had to get him fixed. And it's oh, because yeah. he's getting he's just getting hacked and assaulted every time he's in there. But still, you look at the line; he only had two free throws attempted tonight. That's I mean, it's it's a tough situation. I remember the exact play that you're talking about. He gets down towards the left block, like on the left side of the paint, tries to go up. Nicholas Batum collapses on him. Bismack Biombo is being very physical with him, and he he looks at the ref when the ball gets kind of blocked or the shot just is is errant, yeah. and he's holding out his arm, and his like his arm is clearly raked and it's <laughs> bleeding, and you and he's showing this ref like, hey, look, dude, I promise you, I got fouled. Look at the evidence right here. It's it like is, the ref thinks he's just scratching yeah. himself to get the foul. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a, a, there's a there's a disease called like that. That's like that, but I don't think Jokic has that, I promise. Yes, refs. He's not deranged. <laughs> truly. Foul call. Truly, truly. Okay. Well, that's enough about the this win. Nuggets win, of course, 100-86. to Pretty easy game for Denver's. A, a little bit questionable heading into the third quarter, but obviously bench minutes led by P.J. Dozier helped them separate in the fourth. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the ramifications for this Jamal Murray injury and then the 2019-2020 season as a whole. We are at 40 games. Want to discuss where we are, where we've been, and where we think the Nuggets could go. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Denver Stiff Show at the Pepsi Center following Denver's win over the Charlotte Hornets. I am Ryan Blackburn, site manager for Denver Stiffs, joined by my colleague and friend, Brandon Ewing. Well, Skip, Jamal Murray went down. It looked really bad. It didn't look... It did look, not look good. It was, it was, he was in as much pain as I've ever seen him, or at least like where he was gesturing how much pain he was in. Yeah, and just staying on the ground. He, he's not usually a guy that stays on the ground. If he's hurt, he kind of pops up and he tries to shake it off. He tries to show just how tough he is. And, and he is a tough dude. So you know that when he goes down like this, it's a pretty serious thing, or at least he's in serious amounts of pain. Yeah. Um, so obviously he hasn't been playing great lately. It's been It's been an up-and-down season for Jamal overall. Very similar to what he's done last year. But be that as it may, the Nuggets had only two full-time point guards on their roster with Jamal Murray and Monte Morris. And 
I had thought at the beginning of the year that they would use that 15th roster spot on a third point guard. As it turns out, they kept it open, and most of this time, Jamal Murray's been healthy, Monte Morris has been healthy, and the Nuggets are, are now probably going to reap some of those those rewards for not having an extra point guard on the roster, or at least somebody that's been on there for the entire time. Uh, are you concerned about Denver's point guard situation with him out, whether it's one game that he's out or one month? I would say I'm more concerned if it's a long-term thing, and I think if it's a long-term thing, you you give somebody like a P.J. Dozier a chance for this next week or so to see if he can be that long-term guy for, say, the next month or so. And if not, you get to the point where you're looking at the veteran point guard market, you're looking at the veteran point guard trade market. But I think if it's a short-term thing that they'll be perfectly fine with P.J. Dozier and Monte Morris. I really do. I, I know tonight that they're playing Charlotte, who's not the best team. They're also not a terrible team, though, and I think that both of them played really well. And if they continue to play with confidence like that, then they're going to be perfectly fine. It, it'll just force guys like Nikola Jokic to continue to step up. It'll force like Will Barton to have to step up. So guys will just have to continue to step up. But if he's only out for, say, in like a month is still like – that's a really long time. So I mean, if it's just like it a couple, if it's, it's a couple of weeks, I still consider that like a short-term thing. And I remember we were talking during the game last year, he had the same ankle injury in his left ankle and he missed 6 games. So this one might have been a little worse though cuz he was like he was very vertical off the ground and then he sprained it. It's a lot different than when you're just sprinting and then you sprain your ankle. This one had a lot yeah. more a lot more impact. On yeah, it. and and to be clear, we we are speculating here. We haven't heard anything other than that it is a negative X-ray in terms of anything broken in the bone or in the bones around the ankle. Which is a good positive. It's it is of course a positive, and if he had a broken ankle, he would be out for months as opposed to maybe weeks. Um, so Denver could consider themselves lucky, but he will have an MRI tomorrow, of course, probably at the the Golden State facilities. And they're going to figure out whether or just just how severe of a grade sprain this ankle is. I am a little bit concerned because Jamal's a guy that needs as much as much help with his body as he can get because he doesn't have elite physical tools. He's not a, a massively overpowered guy. He's not a massively quick guy. So he can't just use one of those two physical traits in order to be successful he has to be in touch with his body and be able to cut and be able to move and be crafty and it's hard to do that on an ankle injury it's really hard to do that on an ankle injury and just just cutting and planting and driving i mean it's it's an injury that lingers even when say he misses a couple of weeks or so i'm sure the ankle's not going to be exactly 100 percent. it's still going to feel a little heavy like we've all sprained our ankle before and it's not the best feeling and it's one of those injuries that does linger so hopefully this one is a little better than some of the other ankle injuries he suffered. But this was one of the only times I've seen him actually like stay on the court like we were talking about and actually be in right. serious pain, which, which, makes you, which makes you worry. But it is a really positive sign that the, the x-ray was negative. For sure. And, and, again, speculation. We won't know anything until tomorrow. Maybe not even know anything until Friday because the Nuggets are on a back-to-back and they're pretty busy right now. So... We will keep you guys posted, keep you guys updated at Denver Stiffs on that. I feel pretty confident that Denver can get through it if it's a short-term injury because they run such a a unique offense that 
a guy like BJ can actually be utilized pretty well in that. When you when you have a guy like him who can cut, who can make himself a target off of Jokic passes, off of uh, drives to the rim where where Jokic is drawing a lot of the defense or Plumlee's drawing a lot of the defense, and if you've got spacing around that, then it can work. It can they can make it reasonable. And then Monte Morris in the starting lineup, if he stays as a forty percent three point shooter, then Maybe that's the shooting boost that the that the starters need right now. It w- it'll be interesting to see if that unit can stay at at the high level that they've maintained over the last over the the entirety of the entirety of the season because the starters have been Denver's backbone for a significant period of the of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, it'll it'll be interesting, and I mean, we'll get our, we'll get our first look at it tomorrow night against Golden State. So I mean, we don't even have to wait twenty four hours to get our first look at the the revamped Monte Morris with the starting lineup, PJ Dozier possibly with the second unit. Kind of what uh, Michael Malone does with the rotation. He's been taking Will Barton out a lot sooner lately in the first quarter and subbing Michael Porter Jr. in, so he could put Will Barton in with that second unit. So maybe that's something we see. Will Barton comes out even a little sooner in the first quarter and Michael Porter Jr. comes in sooner. There's, there's just tons of different ways to go about it, and you don't really know until you know how long Jamal Murray's going to be out and what you kind of the first look you get to see tomorrow night when they play at Golden State. Yeah, maybe the thing they do is they, they sub out Monte Morris early, and he's the one who then comes back in with the second unit exactly. so that he can – they can have two point guards with him and Dozier out there at the same time. I actually think that's a that's a wonderful idea to get the the ball movement going, and then you don't necessarily have to use Barton with the bench unit as as frequently as possible because I think he's going to need to be with the starters. He has yeah, good chemistry with Jokic, <clears throat> so we'll see what happens. But let's let's move on. I want to talk about the 2019-2020 season as a whole because. We are in a pretty interesting time period, 40 games in. The Western Conference is starting to take shape. The Lakers have been the Lakers. They are at the top of the conference. I don't think anybody's touching them, really. Uh, the Bucks are at the top of the Eastern Conference. Nobody's definitely touching them in the East right now. They are wonderful. Beyond that, the Nuggets are tied for third in total wins in the NBA right now. They've done it in a different, unique way. They haven't been very good against the lower tiers of the NBA where they've they've lost a number of those games. But against some of the top competition, like the the Clippers, the Rockets when they were at when the Nuggets were at full strength, uh, they've battled the Sixers, they've battled Boston. They've had a lot of good time, like a, a lot of good performances, and they've I think they've proven themselves to be at least in the tier two level of championship contender. Do you agree with that? And if not, where where would you have them right now? Um, you know, I would say tier two is probably a good spot. It's probably towards the bottom of the tier two, but I'd still put them in the tier two. I just don't think that they're they're still not playing their best basketball, not even close to it, I think, and their record's still twenty eight and twelve. And the thing is you you don't really want to be playing your best basketball in January, I guess. You want to be playing your best basketball towards the end of March at the beginning of April. So I think Tier 2 now is a good place to put them, but I think that the hope is they get to the, the top of the Tier 2 and even peaking in the Tier 1 once the season comes to a close because that's when you won't be playing your best basketball. I think if they're playing at the end of April or the beginning of April how they're playing right now, then I think they might be in trouble going in the playoffs just because I don't think that they're still playing as great as they could be. It's not to say that they're not playing bad. They're still winning basketball games. I just don't think they're clicking on all cylinders like they could be. Yeah, there's something to be said for that, and... 
Torrey Craig was a minus six tonight in his 28 minutes, and I still don't know really where he fits into that equation. If everybody's healthy, Jeremy Grant's coming off the bench as the sixth man. Mason Plumley's obviously playing backup center minutes. Monte Morris is playing backup point guard minutes for Jamal Murray. Is Torrey Craig that, that ninth man in the playoffs? Is Michael Porter Jr.? I think he's starting to prove and, and justify that he needs to be in that conversation very seriously. Um, and I think this team is still, they still have a lot of questions to answer, like you said. And the, their best, their peak is not at the peak of some of these other teams right now. Uh, the Lakers obviously have peaked at like amazeballs level of, of championship oh, contention with, yeah. with, that, with that LeBron AD pick and roll and everything that comes with it. Uh, we know what the Clippers can do when they have both of their wings going and the rest of their team going. We know what the Rockets can do when, when James Harden is on fire and Russell Westbrook is engaged. But And Utah is on a 10-game win streak right now. But where's Denver in that situation? Where are they? I, I think it's it's very clear that they are either 3, 4, or 5 in terms of their, their ultimate ceiling right now. It's just where, like, which is it? Which, exactly. Where will they finish? Because it's, it's very, like you mentioned, it's very cluttered right now. So it, it's tough to say. Right now, I think it'll be a little more clearer after the All Star break because, like we 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 just looked at the schedule and they still have the Nuggets still have 15 games before the All Star break. That's a lot of games. Yeah. So it, it'll and without Jamal Murray potentially for a significant portion of them. Exactly. So, so they're gonna have to stay afloat in these next 15 games. So then they're they're still in the in the topic of possibly getting you know a two seed, which could be huge. So the the two seed would be a big deal for obvious reasons. This. This Western Conference is really kind of a, a six-team race, from from what I understand, from what I what I see around the league. Dallas is kind of definitely in that sixth spot, while Oklahoma City is definitely in that seventh spot. But they're not quite in the same tier as Dallas, yeah. who's kind of at the bottom of this tier too. I would say. Yeah, no, I agree. Like we were talking before the pod, like I think Dallas is like a pretty dangerous team. Like I think if the Nuggets were to say get the three seed and they got to face Dallas as the six seed, that's kind of a tough matchup. So I think the the two seed is huge for the Nuggets, and that's just something. If Jamal Murray's out for a long time, they're gonna have to try to find a way to survive without him, and then find a way to be playing their best basketball towards the end of March and the beginning of April, which which I think they can, and I think that's kind of what they were starting to do last year, too, going into the playoffs, and that was huge for them. So they just need to repeat the process again this year. The offense has started to click while the defense has certainly fallen off. They, they had a really nice performance tonight, only 86 points for the Hornets. The Hornets overall shot 40%, 41% from the field. They only took 14 free throws. They turned the ball over 14 times. It was a really good defensive performance for Denver. And they have the capability to be able to do that. Maybe, they, maybe they're a little bit more defensive-minded over the course of these next few games with Jamal Murray out and maybe P.J. Dozier in, somebody who's 6'6", 6'7", with arms that go out as long as uh, a dragon's wing. Oh, just like watching him get some rebounds tonight. Like he was just jumping out of the yeah. gym over there. And he was like Bisback Biombo. He's just like, hey. Give me that board. <laughs> and when he, yeah, and when he's playing, when he's playing defense and, and trying to mirror a guy off ball or, or cr- like get through a screen or something, his arms are always like right there, and they're always in front of the the man that he's guarding. And so I thought that was really interesting, and something that Denver doesn't have a lot of because Gary Harris, for all his talents as a defender, isn't very long, and Will Barton is long, but he he may not be as. Uh, 
skilled in that on that side of the floor as PJ Dozier is, who who I I think from our limited time watching him has a, a strong nose for the ball on that end. Yeah, so. from the limited time like tonight in his 13 minutes and all the highlights and stuff we've seen him do in the G League. I think he definitely has the capability to, to fill in for Jamal Murray in the short term. I think it's more of a question of the long term, but that's something that you know we're just looking too far ahead because we don't know about it yet. Okay, so without making a trade, do you think Denver has enough juice to make a title run? Um... I think that they need to make a trade to make a title run. I think that they're. I think a shakeup needs to happen. I think this this team right now. I think that they could. I think that they could get past the first round, but it, I would just it depend on the matchup. Like if this team right now is facing the Dallas Mavericks in the first round, I'm still a little concerned. I think that they need a trade for shakeup. I know I've been talking a lot since it was it was ever mentioned that he was available for Drew Holiday. I really think Drew Holiday could make this team a championship contender. Like I I if anyone watched the Christmas Day game, they know. That's like what Drew Holiday does night in and night out. So I'm telling you that I don't care what it takes. Actually I kinda care what it takes. <laughs> but at the same time I think that that's a guy the Nuggets should really explore getting. I mean, what what do you think? Yeah, I, I just I'm at the point where I don't think that Drew Holiday gets them over the hump for the Lakers or the Clippers. Maybe he helps them win a series against the Houston Rockets or the Mavericks, where he gets to guard Luka Doncic every night or yeah. something something like that. But if if you're settling and, and using your assets to get Drew Holiday. I don't know if that ultimately tops out at, at a title contender, at, at somebody who, because can he defend LeBron James on a consistent basis? I, I think the answer is no. No, probably not with the size. But, uh, and you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised, and it's just like, just in my head, if they trade for somebody that, like, we're not even thinking of. Like, yeah. they, just, they go get somebody, and it's like, whoa. That's a brilliant idea. Why didn't we talk about that? <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty clear that the bench has been really good with a stretch four, maybe the, the best thing for them is to upgrade that stretch four and go get Davis Bertans like, or somebody somebody like that. Where Yeah, like it doesn't even have to be like a huge move like a Drew Holiday, but something like a Davis Bertans. That could be huge for them. I think it's still got to be a little more than like a few years ago when say they went and got like a Devin Harris. Like I think it's still got to be, <laughs> yeah. I think it's got to be <laughs> something a little better. No offense, Devin Harris. Great player. Ah, yeah, but it is what it is. But I, I, I see your point. But even at that level, with with Davis Bertans, with uh, JJ Redick, with JJ Redick would be huge. I mean, if you could do it, if you could do a Drew Holiday, JJ Redick deal, huge. Both you're good. Both of those guys would be really good with Denver's bench, and and they would help elevate that group in the regular season, certainly. But I still have some concerns with how they match up with certain teams because when you get to that level, we saw last year in the playoffs that San Antonio and Portland, they would target Malik Beasley, for example. They would say, okay, we know that this guy struggles watching guys going through screens. So they went out and and targeted that. J.J. Redick isn't somebody who's going to solve those issues. He has actually has a lot of those same limitations and he has some definite advantages in those situations but Davis Bertans not to be confused with an elite defender he he was a guy that Greg Popovich refused to play in game seven of of Denver's Denver's first round series last year so I think in those situations I think you have to have a guy 
that not only do you think he could help you this year, but also could potentially build towards whatever you're doing next year. I don't know if Drew Holiday does that. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Yeah, there's there's always a risk when the Nuggets the Nuggets still have such a good record of twenty eight and twelve. So there's always a risk when breaking up the continuity, even if it's just one or two players to go get somebody else. There's there's always a risk involved with a trade. But I think that this Nuggets team is at a point where they should take those risks, and I think that they should just bank on. I guess whatever they believe. If they think that this is the team that can do it, go with it. If they think they need to make a move, go all in and make a move. I think that you just got to take a risk, whether it's one way or the other, and hopefully it pays off and it puts them into that Tier 1 category. Yeah, really, it, it really comes down to what they think of themselves as a team. Do they think of themselves as a title contender? If they do, if they think, yes, we can win a title this year, and it's not just kind of lip service for people around the league that, hey, we, we think we can win a title, but we're not actually going to solve some of the problems that have arisen. Some of those problems are, are difficult to solve, to be clear, but if you're not going to play Malik Beasley, he's a very talented player. He's in Torrey Craig, not not playing a ton. Watcher Hernan Gomez, still a young player that I think can contribute to minutes elsewhere. It's uh, They're in a position where so much of their upper rotation is solved or is, is like solidified right now because you've got the five starters. You've got Monte Morris. You've got Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, and Mason Plumlee. That's already nine guys, and you're probably not going 10 deep in the playoffs regardless. So if you think those nine guys can get it done, then great. Go with it. Like yeah. just, just if, and if you don't think that they can get it done if, or if you know that they can't get it done, then you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, do we want to be a championship contender right now? And if the question is no, then they probably won't make a significant move. If the question is, if the answer is yes there, then they do have problems that they could solve. They need shooting. That's a, that's yeah. kind of a thing right now. Oh, yeah. And I think the, I like the important slogan you used was, we think we can win a championship. Is that something? They need to get to the point where they're saying, we know we can win a championship with the team we have on the floor. And that, and that they want to do it. Yes. I, I've, I've heard people talk about this nationally, and I'm starting to at least understand their reasoning that it's not necessarily about whether Denver can win a championship because I think it's clear that they have the talent to do so. Oh, absolutely. But they don't necessarily have the matchups. They don't necessarily have a Kawhi stopper that can play on the floor at the same time as Paul Millsap. Because you kind of need Paul Millsap as the backline defender, as well as Jeremy Grant to be the Kawhi stopper. And so can you play those two guys together along with Nikola Jokic? I don't know what the answer is there. I don't know if it's yeah. don't know if it's possible. And it's tough because the trade deadline is actually kind of kind of getting close. I mean, it's in the next couple of weeks or so. Yeah, like, it's, it's, I think it's February I think 9th. It, I thought it was the 6th. It could be the it's, 6th. Hey, it's, it's one it's, of them. But it's, it's about three weeks away. Yeah, this so is, it's like so, you, like so we're going to have our answer quickly whether Denver holds on to this team or they make a move to get somebody else. Like yeah. your answer's going to be quick. And it's very possible that the Jamal Murray injury kind of speeds up that process where we they don't know they they would like to get the 2 seed and they would like to or they would like to get as high of a seed as they possibly can to potentially avoid facing a really tough matchup in the first round. And I think that that's something that they that they really value and it could like that's why you work hard in the regular season. That's why you earn those wins. And so you don't have to 
struggle in the first round of the playoffs to just get out of it. So, exactly, because that could be daunting, that's tiring, and that just sets you up for a tough spot in the next round. You, and you and want... that's exactly what happened, right? Yeah, exactly. They, they, they won a tough game seven against San Antonio, and they played two days later. Never really had a break. Never were able to kind of sit back and, and recover and recuperate from the first playoff series of many of their careers. Yeah, well, it's, it was just go, go, go. Like, I think this year when they go in the playoffs, they need to have a series where it's like a it's like a five-game series. They sweep them. Like, that'd be that, great. That'd that be, would be, that, that's that'd huge be so huge. So, I don't know. There's just a lot that could happen in the next few weeks with the trade deadline, and then you have the buyout market. There's still a whole bunch of moving parts. If it's not Drew Holiday, who, who would you – who would you go after? Oh, if it's not Drew Holiday, let's say, let's say they're not touching the they're not touching the core of the starting lineup. You know, an interesting one that I thought of last week, and it just depends on how long Jamal Murray's at it again. But I think Derrick Rose could be actually pretty good. You know, off the I bench. I knew you were going to say that. I think Derrick Rose could be really good off the bench, and I think he could. I don't know. I just really like Derrick Rose, and I think that he's a. I don't know if he's going to get him to that tier one that we were talking about, but I think that he helps him there. And it really just depends on how long Jamal Murray's out. But then again, I still think he'd be a nice addition either way. So do you have to give up Monte Morris in that deal? What do you What do you give up? Oh, what do situation? I give up? Uh, Maybe Malik Beasley. I was going to say Wancho. Beasley. Beasley and Wancho would be would be the easy way. I feel like Beasley and Wancho is the yeah. easy way. And then, but I would I would be hesitant to give up on like a Vanderbilt or somebody. I really would be. But say but if it's but if it comes yeah. down to just like a Beasley and a Vanderbilt and Jamal Murray's out for say I don't know after the All-Star break, I don't know, maybe that's something you kind of have to think about. It, it is it is something especially if you don't if you don't know if you have confidence in PJ Dozier yet. And I as a South Carolina guy, hey, I am all for him getting as many minutes as possible, but the fact is he's a he's a two-way player. And you don't know how that's going to go. It could absolutely bite you in the rear. Because it so, could start. Because it could start out great, and then you buy into it, and then once you buy into it, it kind of it kind of dwindles down. Like it hits it hits its peak a little early. Yeah, and and teams maybe start getting a scouting report on him. They start figuring it out a little bit, and then yeah. they know just how to attack him. Or maybe he stops shooting. Maybe he maybe he doesn't shoot the three ball well, and that kind of prevents him from being a positive force on, on offense. So. That is the thing you worry about. Once teams have a little more film on them, they can kind of game plan for the guy. Like tonight, yeah. P.J. Dozer goes in there. The Hornets are like, who the hell is this guy coming in here? And he just starts <laughs> dominating. So, okay. so uh, Stiff's listeners, if you're if you're still at, still with us here, then I think point guard is, is a an interesting addition that they could make. Not something that I necessarily foresaw, but... If, if Jamal Murray is out for a significant portion, then they just need a guy that they could, that maybe can play with Monte Morris or with Jamal Murray at, at points, then maybe that's something that maybe that's a direction that they go. I don't know if that's necessarily Derrick Rose, and maybe they have enough confidence that Michael Porter Jr. can carry the load. But either way, we're going to see. We're going to see whether either way they get to that point. Either way, there will be a little risk involved. They either go and make a trade for somebody or. They put a lot of faith in somebody already on the roster. Either way, there's going to be a risk involved. So you're hoping that the reward is going to be much higher no matter which direction they go. Yeah, the guy that I would throw into the mix there is Robert Covington. I don't Robert know if Covington is a very popular option. Yeah, I don't he know is. if you necessarily have to give up one of your starters either. 
And if if they could do that without giving up a starter, then that's that's a pretty kind of with like pretty the big ad. The players we mentioned with Derrick Rose, if you can get somebody like that, then I think that you, you kind of have to pull the trigger at that point. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I I'm looking forward to it. I I want to see what this team does because I think they do make a deal. I think that this, especially this injury, I think it kind of fast tracks them to needing to make a deal. That's what we I'm just saying. don't know what for. We we don't know what for. We don't know what they're what they consider their needs to be at this point. So. Yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, you don't even know who. They could just make a surprise deal, and you're like, holy cow, <laughs> where did this guy come from? Wow, I can't believe they added uh, Trey Burke from the Sixers or something. Like, that's yeah, be very, Burke. very weird. Um, I wish it was Trey Young. I don't know. <laughs> Trey Young would be better. <laughs> yeah, probably, <laughs> probably so. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else for me before we before we head out? Um, I don't think I have anything else. How do you think today's game is going to go technically? Because people are listening today. Uh, Golden State on a back to back. I think Golden State didn't play yesterday. I would. I think Denver gets a win. I mean, who, who's going to match up with Nikola Jokic? Like, uh, nobody. I am. I'm. Like they may they may play Draymond on him, but I, I actually don't think that they will. I think they'll they'll let Eric Pascal. Um, Eric Pascal. Try to try to deal with it's him. It's going to be the Eric Pascal Omar, Omari Spellman or somebody like that. But either way, I think Jokic. It's going to be like I'm watching a national championship game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> lots, of, uh, lots of Villanova guys over there. Just need Mikhail Bridges, too, and they, they would certainly love that. But. He's got to give Jay Wright a call. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it here for the Denver Stiff Show. Make sure to tune in over the course of the next few weeks. We will have dra- or trade coverage for the trade deadline. We'll have updated news on Jamal Murray, updated analysis on all of these games that are coming through, and I'll be able to share my Nuggets Numbers podcast with you on a significant portion of the season. That's going to do it for us here. Uh, we will see you guys next week. Peace.